That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But staff meetings like that from time to time. I want to welcome you to uh, our uh, Sugarloaf campus and those who are at our Mill Creek campus and those who are watching online. We're one church at two locations and today I'm teaching from our Sugarloaf campus. Our Mill Creek campus is located about 20 miles to the north of us and I want to encourage you to attend whichever campus is closest to you. Well, do you ever feel stressed? Ever get tired of the daily grind of life? You ever have days when you just don't have a lot of energy and you don't even know why? You feel like your rope's about to snap. Well, maybe this will explain one reason why a lot of us do get that stressed out feeling. If you're an adult of, you know, average weight, let me tell you what you accomplish every single day. Every day in a 24-hour period, this is what you do. Your heart beats 103,689 times. Your blood travels 168 million miles. You breathe 23,040 times. You inhale 438 cubic feet of air. You eat three and a quarter pounds of food. You drink three quarts of liquid. You lose a pound of waste. You speak 25,000 words. You move 750 muscles. And you exercise 7 million brain cells. You're sitting there going, no wonder I feel so tired. I mean, you get that done every single day. And yet it's one thing to experience physical fatigue, but I believe there's another kind of fatigue that is a lot more debilitating and a lot more destructive. There's mental fatigue. There's emotional fatigue. There's relational fatigue. There's spiritual fatigue. There, there's that kind of, of, of weariness that, that comes that, frankly, if you try a physical solution, it won't work. For example, the only remedy for physical fatigue is sleep. But for every other emotional or relational or spiritual or mental fatigue that you have, sleep won't help. What you need is rest. And there's a difference between sleep and rest. We've all had those experiences where we sleep and we kind of sleep all night and yet we don't really sleep restfully. We wake up more tired than we were when we went to bed. And life is really like that. There's a big difference. 
You, you can go to a drugstore and you can buy something that will put you to sleep. But you can't go to a drugstore and buy something that will give you rest. Rest in your mind and rest in your soul and rest in your spirit and rest in your heart. There's no prescription for that. So you get tired and weary of fighting for your marriage, so you just give up and check out. You get so weary of the financial pressures of life, you just kind of let bills go unpaid and you don't answer the phone because you know it's the collector calling. Some people get so tired and weary of life, they just end their life. They just say, if this is what life's all about, I don't want to live anymore. And there are a lot of us, if we were honest, we are so messed up because we're so stressed out. And there are some of you that walked into here today and you put on your Sunday morning face and you put on your Sunday morning smile and you're trying to fool everybody, but you're not fooling yourself. You're probably not fooling your family. You're certainly not fooling God. And you're listening to me right now and, and, and you've gone about as far as you can go. You've carried about as much as you can bear and you've taken about as much as you can stand. So today we are continuing a series that we started last Sunday that we're called Overwhelmed. And last week we dealt with how do you deal when it deal with it when you're overcome when overwhelmed with guilt. And today we're going to talk about how do you how do you deal with it when you're overwhelmed with stress. As a matter of fact, if you're wondering whether or not you're kind of stressed out, let me just give you some terms and see if any of these terms kind of relate to you. See if any of these terms kind of connect with where you are. Terms like overloaded, overworked, overcommitted. Overmatched, overextended, overanxious. You feel like your emotional tank is empty and you're just kind of running on fumes. I, I've been there. I get that. I understand. I read about a, a guy that decided to go into the transport business. So he bought this small truck and he was using it to transport things for others. And so one day he got this big job. He was hired to transport some chickens. So he was driving down the road and the car that was following him noticed something quite unusual about this guy. About every mile, he'd stop the truck, pull it over, get out. He'd grab a baseball bat. He'd start pounding at the side of that truck. He'd just beat the, I mean, just beat the side of that truck, and he was scaring those poor chickens to death. And this guy was thinking, what is this guy doing? So this guy started following this truck, and about every 10 miles, this guy would pull over the truck, get do the exact same thing. He'd get out, take that baseball bat. He'd beat the side of that truck, and he'd get in. He followed that guy for about 30 miles, and every 10 miles he'd do the same thing. So finally, he pulls the guy over, and he goes up to him, and he says, I just got to ask you a question. Why are you beating this truck with a bat? And this guy with this weary, stressed-out look expression said, well, here's my problem. I got a half-ton truck. I got a ton of chickens. I got to keep half those birds flying all the time. Now, do, do you ever feel like that? You ever feel like that your life is just a baseball bat and you got to keep half the chickens flying in your life all the time? You say, man, that, that, that's where I am. And then you know what it means to be overwhelmed. Now, I'm going to give it a different term. I call what we're talking about, I call it deficit living. And let me tell you what I mean by that term. Overwhelmed people live in deficit. They either live in emotional deficit or they live in relational deficit or they live in spiritual deficit. So let me, let me explain. When, if you've ever overdrawn your bank account, you know the stress that comes. You know when you've written a check that you don't have the money to cover. You've written a check you know you shouldn't cash. And you know immediately the mental stress that comes, the emotional stress that comes, the financial stress that comes. Well, what can happen with your bank account can also happen in your own life. You can get overdrawn in life. 
And when you get overwhelmed, you find yourself living in deficit. So you wake up one morning and your wife lets you know you're overdrawn in your marriage. Or your kids let you know you're overdrawn with us as a parent. Or you're overdrawn in your job and you just have run out of the spiritual and the mental and the relational and the emotional currency you need to cover your bank account of your life and you literally hit the wall and you know what it is to feel that, get that overwhelmed feeling. And so people everywhere, I see it all the time, they're overwhelmed with stress, with the burdens of living, with the task of making ends meet, with the task of trying to make a marriage work, with trying to make kids behave. And so if, if that's kind of you, I have found that, that, that people really, they need words that, would get, that, that begin with the prefix re, R-E. Words like restore, relax, replenish, revive, renew. Say, boy, those words sound like music to my ears. If that's you, have I got some great news for you. Jesus said something, and it, it, it's not really a long statement, but it's one of the most profound things he ever said. And Jesus said, you know what? If you're stressed out, if you're overwhelmed with stress, if you've just absolutely run out of your emotional, relational, spiritual, mental bank account, and you've just got nothing else left to give, I know what your problem is, and I have the solution. So if you brought a copy of God's Word this morning, or an iPad, or an iPhone, or whatever you might use, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I want you to turn to Matthew, and I want you to turn to the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Now, I'm going to put up the passage we're going to study this morning up on the screen, and, and I normally don't use the version that I'm about to use, but I, this is so good. It's the message by Eugene Peterson, and every time I read it, I say, this is, the, this is better than anything in any other version that I've read. It really gives the flavor of what Jesus said. So I just want you to listen very carefully to what Jesus is saying to us today. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, and I love this phrase, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, now listen to this, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You only have one life to live. You only go around once. Don't you want to live life freely? Don't you want to live life lightly? Then this is verse 28 in, in another version. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I want to keep that up on the screen for me, but I want to show you something. Jesus is talking about people and talking to people who are overwhelmed with stress. He says, okay, are you one of those people who labor? Let me tell you what that word means. That, that word literally is used to describe the exhaustion of a soldier in battle or a messenger who's run many miles to deliver a message. So he's talking about people who are just absolutely exhausted. They've got nothing left in their tank to give. He says, and you are heavy laden. 
And we don't use that phrase, but it's a beautiful word. That word pictures a ship that's loaded with so much weight, it begins to sink under the water. It refers to an animal that's carrying a burden so heavy, it begins to collapse under its weight. So in other words, Jesus said, here's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to those people who are so tired, they just can't go any further. They are so burdened, they just can't take any more. And he's talking about people who need a rest stop. So if you're here today or you're listening and, and, and you're living on edge and you're tired of it, you're tired of a life that's nothing more than just another day and another dollar, you're tired of that feeling of just, you're just making time and you're just, uh, uh, you know, taking space, you're burdened down, you're beaten up, and you're just ready to throw in the towel. Jesus said, have I got a message for you? And I promise you it works every single time. But let me tell you, I love, this is what I love about Jesus. You can go to psychologists, you can go to psychiatrists, you can go to all kinds of therapists. They'll give you all kinds of convoluted, complicated things to try and things to do and all of this. And Jesus says, let me not complicate the simple. Let me simplify the complicated. Let me show you what Jesus does. This is one reason I love Jesus so much. He takes three verbs. Come, take, and learn. Three verbs. He says, if you will do those three things, if you'll come and if you'll take and you'll learn, he said, I promise you, I will drain the stress out of your life. I promise you, I will give you the emotional and mental and relational and spiritual reserves that you need to meet any challenge that you face. I promise you, I can restore the joy and the peace and the rest and the delight in your life. I promise you, I can make getting up every morning a delight, not a dread. If you'll come, and if you'll take, and if you'll learn. So, if the stresses of life are getting you down, and the fight is gone, and you're ready to wave the white flag, and you're ready to quit, let me just give you the three simple pieces of advice that Jesus gave to us. All right, ready? Here we go. Number one, look to Jesus. First thing, look to Jesus. First thing Jesus says is this. He says, come to me. If you're, if you're burdened down, if you said, look, I can't carry anymore, I can't take anymore, I can't go any further. If you labor and you're heavy laden, come to me. And he makes a promise, I will give you rest. Now listen to what he didn't say, because some people misunderstand. He didn't say come to church. He didn't say come to religion. He didn't say come to the temple. He didn't say come to the synagogue. He didn't say come to good deeds, come to the seminary, come to school. He said, come to me. In other words, he said, look, take all these burdens that are weighing you down. Take everything in your life that is messing you up and stressing you out. Just put it down. Just, just leave it. Just, just put it on the ground and just come and get into my presence. Just come to me. There are so many people. They're tired. They're burned out. And, and, and they're frustrated and they're stressed and they can't find any rest because they keep looking for it in all the wrong places. You know, some people, they, they think, okay, I, I'll just party it up. I'll just, I, I think I, I'll just kind of party my problems away. So they drink. They do drugs. They hop from bed to bed. They go from thrill to thrill. And they keep looking for that rest, but the rest doesn't come. And then there's some people that say, well, I know what I'll do. I'll just try to work harder. And, and so they get up early. They burn the midnight oil. They try to get further ahead. They try to get higher up the ladder. And they, they do all they knew to do, know to do the best way they know how to do it. But still, no rest. 
And then, of course, there's a lot of people who think money is the answer. You know, I've heard this so many times. If I just had enough money, all my problems would be solved. I promise you, there are many people listening to me right now. You really believe this. You have sold yourself on this belief. If I just made enough money, I'd be a happy person. If I just made more money, if I could just get that job, get that promotion, if I could raise my income that amount, I would absolutely be happy. I would be totally at peace. All my problems would be solved. If I just had enough money to buy anything I wanted to have, to go anywhere I wanted to go, and to do everything I wanted to do, I would be happy. And unfortunately, it takes some people an entire lifetime to realize that not only is money not the answer, I found more often than not, money can become the problem. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, money can buy a lot of things in life. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. Money can buy a lot of good things in life. I won't deny that. But I'll tell you this. Money can't buy the best things in life. Money can buy a house. It can't buy a home. Money can buy influence. It can't buy friendship. Money can buy sex. It can't buy love. Money can buy just about anything except happiness and take you just about anywhere except to God. So there's some of you out there, let me just kind of disabuse you of this notion and save you some time. If you really think money's going to solve your problem, you've got a bigger problem than what you think your problem is. And so Jesus comes along and he says, look, when you've tried everything else and you've run out of options, when you've got no other place to turn, turn to me. When you've looked everywhere else, but as you two put it, you still haven't found what you're looking for, why don't you look at me? When you've tried everything else and you're still asking the question after trying everything you know to try, so how's that worked out for me? Jesus said, try me, because I'm the only one, I'm the one and the only one that can give you not rest for your body, I can give you rest for your soul. I can give you rest for your mind. I can give you rest for your heart. I can give you rest for your spirit. St. Augustine was right. You've heard this famous saying. He put it this way. He said, the soul is restless, and it will not rest until it finds its rest in God. So Jesus comes along, and he says, you stressed out? Boy, am I stressed out. Gone about as far as you can go? Sure have. Ready to quit? Throw in the towel? You better believe it. Jesus, okay, look to me. Put your burdens down. Take your focus off what's stressing you out. Look to me. Step one. Simple, right? Just real simple. Number two, look to Jesus. Then he says, live for Jesus. Live for Jesus. Now, Jesus, remember I told you there were three verbs. Jesus said, okay, now if you're going to come to me, there's a catch. There's something you've got to take from me. He says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Now, let me just stop right there because I, I, I know where some of you are going right now. You say, you know, that really doesn't sound too inviting because if you know what a yoke is, you, you get it if you don't let me explain. Uh, a, a, a yoke is, is a wooden bar and it's got slots in it and it's made to fit around the neck and the shoulders of an ox. 
And so the farmer would take the, the yoke, or, or we, uh, uh, and he'd put it on the ox, and then he'd attach a, to the, uh, a harness to that yoke, and then the farmer could control that ox and guide that ox and, and, and make that ox go anywhere he wanted to go. Now, there's a reason why Jesus used that, that, that picture, because the yoke was a symbol of submission. When you put a yoke on an ox, the ox had no choice. The ox had to go where you want him to go. The ox had to stop when you say stop. So the ox was under your complete control. Now, let me just stop. There are a lot of you sitting there and you say, wait a minute. I got two big problems with that. First of all, I don't want to be under anybody's yoke. And, and I get that. We, we, deep down, we're born this way. We don't want to be under anybody's yoke. We want to be totally free. We want to be able to do what we want to do and go where we want to go and be what we want to be. So that's the first thing we go, well, I don't like that idea because I don't want to be on anybody's yoke. And then the second problem we've got is, wait a minute, I don't want to pull anybody's burden. I got enough of a burden on my own to pull without trying to pull somebody else's burden. I got enough problems of my own without pulling somebody else's weight. Well, before you reject this yoke, Jesus is asking you that to wear before you reject this burden that Jesus is asking you to carry, just listen to what else he goes on to say. You ready? He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I want you to listen to what he said. This, when, I was, when I was studying for this message, I, I put my pen and my pad down and I put my books down and I just kind of leaned back and I just kind of just let those words, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I thought, you know, Lord, I've followed you now for 53 years of my life. Boy, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. My yoke is easy. The word easy, you know what that means? It means excellent. It means good. It means perfectly suited for his purpose. I didn't know this. If you were a good farmer and you had enough money, you ready for this? If you had a good ox and you wanted to, didn't want that ox to wear out, you would go to a carpenter and you would have that carpenter custom make a yoke, custom carve a yoke that would so fit the ox that the ox would not even know it was around his neck. And, and you say, well, why would they do that? Because if the, if, the, if the yoke did not fit well, then it would chafe the neck and it would chafe the shoulders and the ox would get so sore, he couldn't pull the load. So if you were a good farmer and you knew what you were doing, you would save up enough money and you would custom make a yoke, literally just to fit that ox. That's why Jesus said, look, my yoke is easy. I'll custom fit it for you. Then he said, my burden is light. Now, what's Jesus telling us? He's saying, you want to be free? Sure, I want to be free. I mean, you really want to be free? I really want to be free. Jesus is okay. Understand something. Freedom is not being out of control. Freedom is not even being under your control. Freedom is being under the right control. Let me give you an illustration. When there's a war going on, you know this. You don't have to figure this out, right? This has happened every time there's been a war. Every time there is a war, the only way generally that peace comes is this. One side ultimately has to surrender to the other side, always. The same thing is true in life. Life's a war, and every day is a battle. And Jesus said, you're not going to have rest. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to have joy. You're not going to have contentment until you surrender to me. If you don't surrender to me, it's going to be a battle, it's going to be a fight, it's going to be a war, you're going to be stressed out, you're going to be messed up until you surrender to me. Let me put it to, to you this way. 
The only way to get free from the concerns of life is to surrender to the control of Christ. The only way to get free from the concerns of life is to surrender to the control of Christ. I, I've got a habit that, uh, that I developed over the years at Christmas time. As a matter of fact, my sons still laugh at me. Even today, if my boys are with me, they'll, they'll laugh at me. I, I've got this habit, and, 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 and I, you may know I may have told you this before, I don't remember. When, when, when Christmas time comes around, if I hear a little bell ringing, I don't care if it's a block away. I'm going to find who's ringing that bell. Because who rings that bell? Salvation Army, right? I have a rule in my life. I never go by the Salvation Army. I never go by that bucket. I don't put money in the bucket. I taught my boys that. When my boys were small growing up, we'd go into the mall or we'd go somewhere and go shopping and they'd have those buckets out. And I'd reach my pocket and I'd say, and of course, they, when they were small, you know, they wanted to do it, right? And so I'd, I'd get my money out and they'd always put, you know, money in, in the bucket. I'd do that everywhere I go. And I'll always say, God bless you. Appreciate the work the Salvation Army does. Now, what the boys didn't know for a long time was that I don't just do that because of the great work the Salvation Army does, although they do a great work. The reason why I never go buy a bucket of the Salvation Army that I don't put money in that bucket ever, I mean ever, the reason why I do that is not just because of the work they do, it's out of respect for the man who founded the Salvation Army. His name was William Booth. Let me tell you why I respect and love this man so much. People who knew Mr. Booth said he was one of the most contented, one of the most joyful, one of the most happy, one of the most satisfied people that they ever knew. Now, what's amazing was he never had a lot. He, he, he wasn't a rich man. He could have been very rich, but, but he took almost all the money that the Salvation Army made when he founded it. He would just put it back into the organization, live a very simple life. And people that began to work with him noticed that no matter how stressful life was for everybody else, that Mr. Booth always seemed to be at rest. He always seemed to be at peace. He never got flustered. He never got angry. He never got upset. He never let anything bother him. When, when donations were low, he was the same as when donations were high. When the work was going bad, he was the same as when the work was going good. And, and it was, he was such an inspiration to his employees. Well, one day, one of his employees walked into the office and sat down and said, Mr. Booth, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. He said, well, it's a question a lot of people in the organization want to have answered. He said, uh, what, what is the secret to the peace in your life? We, we watch you, and, and, and we, we, you know, we get stressed, we get upset. Sometimes you have to kind of mediate conflict in the organization. You, you're always above the fray. You're always at peace. You're always at rest. You're always contented. You're always happy in the Lord. And, and, and we, you know, I just, we just want to know, what is the secret to the rest that you have in your heart? How is it that you can rest when nobody else seems to be able to? And William Booth, with a smile on his face, simply replied, Because I never say no to the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? I never say no to the Lord. When I read that about William Booth, I said, Every time I see a bucket, I'm going, to put a I'm going to put money in that bucket. And you know why? Why do I put money in there? Does it make me feel good? Well, it does. That's not why I do it. But every time I put money in that bucket, I say to myself, I will never say no to the Lord. Jesus said, you want rest? You want peace? You want satisfaction? When everybody else is losing their head, you want to keep yours? I really do. He said, okay, number one, look to me. 
Number two, live for me. Find the right master. Put on the right yoke. Carry the right burden. You'll find out the yoke is easy and the burden is light. And oh, by the way, if you're still kind of hesitant whether you want to do that or not, listen to what else Jesus says. I love this. Because I am gentle and I'm lowly in heart. There's only one thing worse than having a bad job. And that's working for a bad boss. Can I get an amen to that? Some of you do, right? I, I get it. I understand. One of my goals as a leader in this church, just so you'll know, I'm not trying to win a popularity contest with my staff. They understand I'm a leader. I've got to make tough calls. I've got to make tough decisions. And I, I'm very well capable of doing that. You can ask any staff person that. But I don't say this to brag. I really don't. It's the grace of God. My staff loves working with me. And they, you can ask any of the staff here. Some of them back there. Just ask them. And here, listen to what I just said. I didn't say they love working for me. They love working with me. Because here's what I tell every staff person that comes on our staff. You don't work for me. You work with me. We work for the Lord. He's ultimately the boss. I'm not the boss. I don't want to be called the boss. But I do want people that work with me to say to other people, man, I love working with our pastor. I, I want to be the kind of leader Jesus was. Jesus said, I'm, I'm gentle. I'm, I'm lowly in heart. I'll tell you what I've learned about Jesus. Listen, Jesus is not a tough master. He's not a taskmaster. He's a tender master. Jesus is not a tough shepherd that beats a sheep. He is a tender shepherd that leads a sheep. And I have found that the only place that Jesus has ever led me in 53 years are the best places for me to go. And the only thing that my shepherds ever asked me to do are the best things I could possibly do with my life. He says, look, I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. So I just want to warn you of something. You want to have a lot of stress in your life, nothing will cause you more stress than to refuse or to throw off the yoke of Jesus, and nothing will bring you more rest than to put on the yoke of Jesus. When you live for Jesus, when you surrender to Jesus, when you say, look, I'm giving all that I am to all that you are, you will have a conscience that is clear and a soul that rests. So Jesus says, I got the solution. Number one, look to me. Number two, Live for me. And then number three, learn from Jesus. Learn from me. Now, remember Jesus said, come, look to me. Jesus said, take, you know, live for me. Then he says this in verse 29. He says, learn, and by the way, this is important, learn from me. Big, big word, learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. See, when you come to Jesus, you go to school. You automatically enroll in school. And, 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 you, and not only is Jesus the teacher, Jesus is the subject. He says, I want you to learn from me. Now, let me tell you why he said that. Has it ever occurred to you, if you're kind of stressed out today, can I just kind of clue you in on something? Nobody that ever lived in the history of this world or ever will live, nobody ever faced more pressure. Nobody ever carried a, carried a heavier burden than Jesus. <clears throat> and so Jesus says... Watch how I handle the tough times. Watch how I manage the troubling circumstances. 
Watch how I related to the difficult people. You think you carry a heavy load. You're sitting there thinking, man, you just don't know the stress I'm under, Pastor. You don't know the burden I carry. You don't know the job that I've got. You don't know the, the, the pressures that I face. All right, let's just go back. Think about this. From the day that Jesus Christ began his ministry, what was he carrying on, on his shoulders? Oh, just the weight of the world's sin and the weight of the world's sorrow and the weight of the world's suffering. Just go back to the New Testament and just spend a typical day with Jesus. This was a typical day in the life of Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, every day of his life, people were standing in line. Touch me, bless me, help me, heal me, hear me, teach me. Jesus never lost his peace on the inside. He never lost his cool on the outside. He never lost his patience. He was always calm, cool, and collected. And Jesus says, there's nothing you can earn from me, but there is a lot you can learn from me. And that's why he says, I'm not asking you to learn about me. I want you to learn from me. Watch how I handled situations. Watch how I handled people. Watch how I handled the stress of life. And what I did, I can do through you. Several years ago, Teresa and I took a little mini honeymoon to San Francisco. We'd never been to San Francisco before, so we went to San Francisco. And we rented a car, and we drove down that, that famous, you know, uh, I think it's 1A or A1, whatever it's called. It the, it's the, goes by the coastline. So we, we, we were driving down the coast, and we went by this place called, you've heard about it, San Juan Capistrano, California. And you may know why it's a famous place, because they have the, the swallows there, these, these little birds. And uh, if you don't know the story, these famous swallows from Capistrano, they're very famous because they, they migrate every year to Capistrano and from Capistrano. Now, here's what I was amazed to learn. We stopped off at a place there, and we, were, we had picked up this brochure, and I didn't know this. Those little swallows, those little birds, when they migrate, they fly six thousand miles listen to this they fly six thousand miles over the ocean down to argentina and then when it's time to fly back they fly back six thousand miles over the ocean all the way back to california well I, i'm reading that and i'm going how do they do that i mean you no 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 bird can fly six thousand miles without stopping without resting now, this amazed me. This is unbelievable. Here's how they do it. You ready for this? This, is, this, one, this just blows my mind. Every swallow carries a large twig in its mouth, every one of them. When the birds get tired, they'll fly down to the water. They'll drop the twig onto the water. They'll land on it, and they'll just rest on that twig. Just take a break. Take a nap. Take a siesta. Go to sleep. On that little twig. They're just floating on that twig. Boats will see them. There'll be thousands out there in the water just floating on that twig. And then when they are ready to go, they pick up their twig and they'll fly until they get tired and they'll do it again. Well, I was reading that brochure and I thought to myself, because I'm always looking, thinking like this. I said, man, you know, life's just like that. It's this journey over water. Sometimes the water is still. Sometimes the water is choppy. Sometimes the water is smooth. Sometimes the water is rough. Some days it's sunny. Some days it's stormy. But here's the truth of the matter. We all get weary in the flight. We all get tired of the flight. We all get stressed out in the storms. And we all get to a point where we say, I just 
can't fly another foot. And I thought to myself, when that happens, if you'll just take the cross of Jesus and lay that cross on the water of your life, no matter how big the waves, no matter how rough the storm, the cross always floats. You can stay on it as long as you want to, and you can rest on it till you're ready to go again. That's why Jesus says, sit at my feet every day. Learn, not about me, but from me. And I'll tell you what I've learned, and I've learned this over a lot of years spending time with Jesus. You'll find out that what he teaches you is revolutionizing. You'll find out the way he speaks to you is relaxing. You'll find out that when he walks with you, it is so refreshing. Now, I'm going to close with this. I've heard people say something all of my life, and I used to buy it, and I finally woke up and realized one day, that's just not right. That's not true. And now I call people out on it. And some of you have said this too, and after today, you're either going to stop it, or if you do say it, don't say it in my presence, or I'm going to call you out on it. I've, I've shared the gospel with, with a lot of people. And I'll be honest, I've had more people refuse Jesus than come to Jesus. That used to bother me. It really does anymore because Jesus said the road is narrow and, and difficult. As the way. So I get that. I mean, more people are going to say no than say yes. But the one I used to buy was this one. I would say to someone after I presented the gospel, so would you like to receive Christ? Would you like to trust Christ with your life? And they say, oh, no. And I'll say, well, well, why not? How many times have you heard this? It's just too hard to be a Christian. Just so hard. Couldn't pull it off. I can't do it. It's just so hard to be a Christian. Now, I want to ask you a question. Where, where do people get the idea it's hard to be a Christian? You, you don't get it from the Bible. Really, I'm I'm serious. Where where do people get this idea it's so hard to be a Christian? Let me challenge your thinking. It is a whole lot harder not to be a Christian. And just think think with me. When you take up the yoke that the world makes for you, or you take up the yoke that Wall Street makes for you, you take up the yoke that Washington makes for you, or you take up the yoke that Hollywood makes for you, you won't find those yokes very easy. And you won't find those burdens very light. They're heavy. So let me put it to you this way. In my opinion, and I've lived it, compared to sexual addiction and drug addiction and alcohol addiction and money addiction, life is so much easier when you're looking to Jesus and living for Jesus, and learning from Jesus. How many of you, now let's be honest, we're just getting real honest today, all right? So no liars in here today, okay? How many of you have ever had a guilty conscience? Raise your hand. Come on now, get them up, or you're going to have a guilty conscience if you don't raise your hand. All right, we've all had it, right? We've all had it. All right, listen, listen to me. You tell me which is lighter, a dirty conscience or a clear conscience? You tell me. Which is lighter, a clean soul 
or a dirty heart. People say, it's so hard to be a Christian. Even if it is, though I don't think it really is, honest to God, even if it is, it's so much harder not to be a Christian. And if you don't believe that, by the way, ask the guy that wrote this gospel. Because Matthew is the only writer of the four gospel writers that recorded what Jesus said in this passage. And I thought about that. Why did Matthew remember that? The other guys, the other disciples didn't. Why did Matthew make sure? Luke didn't, Mark didn't, John didn't. Why did Matthew make sure? I'm putting this in my gospel. I'm going to tell you why. He was once a tax collector. He was once under tremendous stress. And for all of his life, he had lived believing, I know how to get rid of my stress. If I can just get all, of I can, all that I can, if I can just make all the money that I can, if I can step on everybody else, if I can get to the top, if I can call my own shots, I'll have rest. But he didn't have it until he met Jesus. So, you're living your life, and this is the way we all do it. You're born. You become a child, you become a teenager. We have one focus in that stage of our life, one. We focus on our bodies, right? So we go to the gym, we work out, we play sports, we date, whole nine yards. Focus on our bodies. Then you graduate from high school, and a lot of us, and we say, okay, now I need to focus on my mind. I need to focus on my intellect. So we go to school, we get our degrees, we get our education, prepare ourselves for life. And then we say, okay, now it's time to enjoy life. It's time to live the good life. So now we focus on our emotions. So we hit the dating scene. We play the field. We hook up. We live it up. And, and the fun's there, but then we all of a sudden one day wake up and realize, but the fun doesn't last and peace doesn't come. And sooner or later, we finally get around to focus on the soul, to focus on the heart. We finally get around, at least those who are honest enough to do it, we finally get around and say, I've tried everything from golf to gold. I've tried everything from sex to success. I've tried everything from fame to fortune, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And so all of a sudden, we begin to look inward, and it hits us. There is nothing on the outside that will ever bring peace on the inside. And then Jesus comes along. And he says, if you'll just look to me and live for me and learn from me, I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I am gentle. I am lowly in heart. When you come to me, you'll come to a rest stop that you'll never have to leave again. You may think that's just preaching. I am telling you, I am a satisfied customer. I know what it is, and I know what it's like to wake up in his presence every day. I know what it is 
to leave a well-established church, I didn't have to leave and strike out on my own and plant this church on a lark and a prayer and not knowing if we was going to make it or not. I've been there. And I have learned that William Booth is right. If you get to a point in life where you'll just simply say, I will never say no to the Lord. He will give you peace and he will give you rest. Let's pray together.